Let's do this. What is virtualization? You're going to learn today. Innovate like a startup. Deliver like an enterprise. I hope you're coffeeed up and ready because it's going to be a great day. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Virtually Speaking Podcast with Pedro Aero and John Nicholson. Good afternoon and welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast, episode number 199. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow. Joining me once again is Mr. John Nicholson. John, we've done 199 episodes. Yeah, no, and I'm kind of curious. I know we're in a race to hit 200. We're closing <laughs> on those million downloads, but and, and we're really in a you know a hurry to try to get there before the end of the year. But also today, today's the day you wanted to record of all days? Because <laughs> it's Veterans Day? Is, is that the question? <laughs> I was gonna say happy anniversary, but yeah, you know. yeah, it is my it is my anniversary as well. So yeah, lots of lots of great things happening today. It's obviously my wedding anniversary. Love my wife. Uh, it's Veterans Day. Salute to all the veterans out there. But we also get to nerd out on some ESX storage systems. Man, this there's a lot of changes that have happened over the the various versions. Uh, a lot of questions come in, and uh, I, I think this is a really cool topic. Uh, and I'm super excited to talk about it. I know you've written some stuff, John. You've done some videos on it, uh, and our guest this week uh, has also done extensive work on it and uh, and is definitely, in my opinion, a subject matter expert uh, in that regard. Our friend, he's in our, a sister team of ours, uh, Jatin. Jatin, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. And obviously, congratulations to you and John for hitting the 200th episode. It's, it's really a huge deal. And obviously, uh, congrats on your wedding anniversary as well. Yeah, I can't believe I've made it to both of those. It's, I'm impressed on, on both ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, heck, Jatin, last time we spoke to you, I think it was either getting the vSphere update, uh, but also, you know, we usually talk to you about VLCM, uh, which is the lifecycle management product. Uh, and yeah, so you're definitely a guy that gets under the hood in a lot of different areas. Uh, we've done a lot of PowerShell stuff together, uh, some um, Power CLI stuff. Uh, so yeah, you're definitely, uh, t- in my opinion, a good person to, to pick the brain of when it comes to some of these more nerdy topics, such as the ESXi storage system. So uh, before we go too deep and before we start asking too many questions, why don't you set the uh, the foundation? Sort of what what is the uh, ESXi storage system, and and then we can get into what's changed. Yeah, that that's a nice question. And um, just to set the context, I think it's important for us to just look at the vSphere seven as a whole before getting into ESXi system storage. Yeah. Um, when we released vSphere seven, it was actually a change as a whole in terms of the overall system architecture. You have seen changes in terms of vMotion, you have seen changes in terms of uh, DRS, uh, some of the hardware accelerators like GPU, uh, NVIDIA GPU, Bitfusion, and all of these integration that has came into uh, vSphere 7. And one of the big thing uh, in in vSphere 7 was also the app modernization, uh, where we wanted vSphere as a platform to really deliver the next generation applications, right? And if we talk about the next generation application, then certainly AI ML containers, Kubernetes are certainly a big thing. And that's why what you see is we have had a huge update in terms of some of our core products. Like uh, if you consider DRS, now DRS is more of a workload centric. Why we have done that? Because now vSphere is not just a virtual machine 
platform to deliver the virtual machine but you might have a different types of workload oh, which yeah. might include uh, some of the hardware accelerators and also um, the cloud native workloads right we have optimized vmotion to a huge extent so that the large amount of workload like large virtual machines can easily be migrated from one place to another one and so does we did a huge update on the esxi7 system storage stack and if we look at the high level this is the exact reason why we have done that we want to support diversified portfolio of work workloads be it coming from the cloud native space or from the hardware accelerator and that's why you see a new system storage layout that has been introduced with the ESXi7 when this storage layout um I'll defer to the proper historians out there on Twitter who will probably call me out on this but you you have these various partitions you've got you know your your initial system boot you've got the the two boot banks not everyone always remembers there's two of those which is fun because you could always roll back in some cases or if one got botched you could run the command to flare over but then you had the locker the scratch the dump you know the dump partitions all of that some of this stuff i feel like it probably dates back to prior to ESXi uh, to actually ESX when there was a full on like Linux shell environment rather than just kind of the the busy box uh, style lightweight shell that we have now. So it's interesting to see this update here. Yeah, absolutely correct. And one of the main changes that you will experience with ESXi 7 is obviously the uh, system partition layout, right? Uh, if we look at the 6.x partition, it was primarily a fixed partition, static partition in number. And when I say fixed, it, it really means that it has the fixed partition size. So for example, your system boot partition was only 4 MB uh, in, in space. Your boot bank partitions were only 100 MB in space. Now. What we have done with ESXi 7 is we have actually made the entire system storage stack as, as dynamic as it can be, right? Uh, except for the system boot, which has been increased from 100 MB to 400 MB now. Um, but rest of the system partitions are now dynamic. What does it mean? It means that your partition size will depend on your boot media size, right? And, and the reason why we needed the dynamic system a partition size was, for example, if you start installing more and more VIPs onto the ESXi host, and these VIPs will essentially support large number of modules that are coming either from the VMware ecosystem or these are coming from the third-party vendors who want to integrate their solutions with ESXi host. So now if you look at the ESXi 7 system storage stack, uh, it has got boot bank partition, which is dynamic. It, it somewhere, uh, you know, it, it used to be 250 MB uh, previously, but now it has been increased to five, 500 MB. And then it can scale up to, uh, I guess, 1 GB or, or 2 GB, right? So that's that's the partition size that we have in scale um, into the ESXi7. And also the another change that we have done, John, you have rightly called out all of these partitions, um, locker, scratch. What we have done is we have consolidated all of these partition into a new partition that is known as ESX OS data partition. So clearly the attempt was to make it more flexible, more dynamic to support the large ecosystem so that they can integrate uh, their solutions with ESXi host. Well, and I remember having to manually resize some of these. So uh, as a vSAN customer, if you went above a certain RAN limit, you would have to manually resize the crash dump, which was always annoying. Um, th there were some, some kind of attempts to work around that on the 6.7 seven train or 6.5 tour it would auto resize you know if you had a larger boot device but it used to be a thing where people would go out and buy 64 gigabyte sd cards and 
you'd still have the same tiny partitions. And then this started, I saw this starting to become kind of an issue, it looked like, around the end of the 6.7 train, where if you're trying to run NSX, uh, which obviously had its own binary requirements, but also if you started running some of the VIBs, like uh, I remember I was trying to put some Mellanox management VIBs and nothing against them. It's just, this stuff takes up space. And you started running in, you're like, oh, I got to go manually babysit this. This doesn't feel like a cloud. This doesn't feel like a cloud platform. (laughs) This feels like like I'm a Unix admin in the 90s. Like, you know, we got to we got to move forward here. So it's I don't know. I, I, I personally ran into some of these issues. So uh, do you feel that the, the the key reason for the change for ESX, obviously to include other workloads, but uh, do you think scaling auto scaling is, is a major benefit or, or is that the main reason, do you think? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, if, if you look at uh, the boot bank partition that was earlier 250 MB and now it is up to 500 MB to 4 GB in, in its capacity. And how it will be done is uh, depending on your boot media size, your partition size will basically differ, right? So obviously, if you if you see from the earlier version where we had the 250 MB of fixed boot bank partition, now it starts from 500 MB, which essentially means that now you can install more and more webs onto the uh, ESXi host. So that's certainly a main reason why we have uh, gone into the new system storage layout. The Another important aspect of the new system storage partition is obviously the debugging functionalities. Uh, with ESXi 7, you will see a few backup jobs that that's are now scheduled within the ESXi 7. Uh, these are essentially to backup your system storage configuration and various aspects of it. And then another aspect is obviously the debugging functionality. So uh, we want ESXi to be more of a stable platform to uh, so, so that it, it can continue to respond to various I/O requests, and that's why you see that increased code base that has been introduced with the ESXi seven. And obviously, for that, you need a little bit of a large partition size, and that's why what you see is you see a very dynamic, very flexible system storage layout, which is which is scalable enough to support a larger ecosystem. Okay, so no, that makes sense. So, what are the partitions that we see when we're looking at uh, when we're if I, if I was to actually look? I know there's a boot partition. What other partitions do uh, will I see if I'm in there? So, with the ASXI seven, you will see uh, two boot bank partition. Um, these are essentially um, loading different modules that are required you to run different solution on ESXi host. And then the major partition that you will see now is the ESX OS data partition. Uh, it's basically a consolidation of different partitions. Like in, in 6.x, you had locker partition, you had the scratch, which was basically uh, storing different types of logs. You had some partitions that were storing the VMware tool, ISOs, and, and these kind of stuff. Now, all of these stuffs are now consolidated into a single partition, and that is known as ESX OS data partition. Um, the good thing about ESX OS data partition is um, this partition also stores something called a config store, right? And we will come on this particular topic probably later on. But what I'm trying to say is um, you had different partition which were storing Scratch, Locker, Core Dump, and also the VMware tool ISO. All of these now have been consolidated into a single partition, and that's known as the ESXOS data partition. And that's the biggest change that you experience with ESXi7. Before we go deeper into the OS data, I just want to back up to, you know, why are there two boot bank partitions? What are the ways that that, that gets used? Is that part of upgrades? Is that in case of corruption? What are what all are my options or what, how does the how do the two boot banks get used? Uh, you mean boot bank one and boot bank two or you mean boot bank versus yeah. ESXOS? I think te- I te- think technically we're storage people here. So don't you you number them in zero? Yeah, one, boot bank you know? zero, boot bank one. <laughs> 
So a boot bank is essentially uh, storing your uh, different solution specific webs. And in fact, uh, these webs are categorized into core webs and, and some of the extra webs, right? Uh, core webs are those binaries that are required you to bring up your ESXi host up and running. So it includes your VM kernel. It includes some of your network and storage drivers so that you can have your uh, system, uh, your ESXi host system up and running, right? And then you can consider extra webs. Those webs are like solution specific webs. Uh, these webs are essentially the uh, vSAN one, the NSX ones, and some of the management webs that we have uh, into the ESXi host. So certainly uh, all of these webs are now stored in the uh, boot bank partition. And now you have two boot bank partition, which are basically dynamic in nature. So uh, depending on your boot media size, they will scale up. And uh, depending on your uh, you know OEM plugins that you want to install, uh, it can then accommodate those particular requirement uh, in, in the near future. Okay, so when I do an upgrade, it'll upgrade one of them and then it'll flip over to that being the active. It does like an AB swap or? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, w once you upgrade it, it acts as uh, a resilient boot partition so that you can uh, still have uh, a system storage stack up and running. So yeah, uh, it, it certainly acts as as the resilient one. Oh, and then you can always roll back. So that way, if the upgrade yeah. works, it can just, it'll say no. Because I think I had that happen one time. I had a rollback where it's like, upgrade failed. I was like, oh, I still have a host. Like I yeah. came from the Windows world where you just yolo those kernel upgrades and like they worked, <laughs> they didn't, you know, you, you got blue screen and you got to go find a, an ISO or something. Or I guess back then it was a physical CD. Ugh. But, <laughs> wow. Better than floppies, I guess. I, I like that self-rollback functionality. So um, getting more back to the 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 OS data, uh, you mentioned the config store. So what are, what are the what are some of the config store bits, or what is that used for? Can we talk a little more about that? Config store is a new construct altogether. Uh, it was introduced in I guess seven update one. And before I actually get into config store, the thing with config store is like we at VMware didn't had a very good desired status story to tell uh, to our customers. A lot of our customers are now coming back and uh, they are asking for an update to something like host profile, right? Uh, we can always say that for, for a desired state configuration, we always had the host profile, but host profile had its own challenges, right? Uh, the it's first not desired state being the number one challenge. Right. It, it's not desired state, right? It's it looks like not declarative. Uh, it, it's, it, it looks like a desired state, but it's basically a client-based solution that we have integrated with VSphere. So what's happening is you have an ESXi system stack, and then uh, all the configurations are replicated in a XML document. And this XML document is now abstracted as the host profile, right? So it's not actually the uh, server-side desired state APIs that are actually doing the uh, behind the scene work, which which are required for the host profile to run, right? And another challenge was host profile was basically a plugin based architecture, and uh, it's it's basically on our side challenge rather than on the customer side challenge. So, for example, if any of the solution have done some revamp on on their side, host profile plugin needed to be upgraded, right? And that's where we have seen a lot of discrepancy in terms of updating ESXi host with the help of host profile. So clearly the host profile was basically a client-side implementation of the same configuration that we had on the ESXi. Instead, we are basically duplicating the configuration in an XML, XML file. Now, this is just a roadmap thing, and we always consider these things as, as the gray area. But I can still uh, spill out some of the beans over here because config store is now available as the uh, logical entity within the ESXi host uh, 7 update one. So the whole idea about uh, config store is it's basically you, you can consider it as a single source of truth for all the solution and, and also the uh, ESXi host. 
and all of your configuration now will reside under the config store and this will act as the single source of truth for all all of your esxi host configuration including some of the uh, vmware solution and third party configuration that are related to the esxi host so whole idea is uh, now you have the config store cli that you can query and then you can also query the types of configuration that are being stored in the uh, config store at, at this point of time but it's just a future thing where you will have a config store and config manager apis and these apis are is specifically the desired state apis right oh, nice. they have a json schema they have a json schema they have certain operations that you can invoke with the help of any of the rest api client and this will make sure that you have a desired state configuration on the esxi host now the good thing is uh, it's going to be tightly integrated with vsphere lifecycle manager so currently the lifecycle manager is basically the uh, image management uh, solution that we have with vsphere 7 um so it's going to be integrated with vlcm and the whole idea is now you have a cluster centric solution that is capable of the image management as well as the config management right so you have a desired state configuration across the entire cluster not just at, at the single esx on a one off host basis and that makes a lot more sense because yes. i can't think of you know there was a lot of settings that i used to have to set individually in hosts and i'd think you know, I'm setting NTP or I'm setting DNS. Like, in what world would I have two hosts in a cluster that need different DNS or <laughs> yeah. NTP servers? Like, time yeah. is kind of a constant. Yeah. Uh, generally, you know, if I could, I might have two different DNS structures, but not in the same cluster. Like, what, you know, th th this makes a lot of sense to consolidate that into a common framework as well as move into the modern you know, declarative world here. Yeah, much exactly. cleaner, much cleaner. And and certainly uh, at a cluster level, very intelligent. Love the fact that it's integrated inside of VLCM. So now we've got everything at a cluster level to be on the same same version. Uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 definitely contributes to consistency and, uh, and st stability. Yeah, just to be clear, the uh, found, founding component that are required for us to build a desired state platform. And obviously the config store is one of them that is available with seven update one, but we don't really have the complete desired state solution yet. Right. So that is still a future plan. But what, what I'm essentially trying to say is um, the building blocks are there. Yeah, The building blocks are now coming together to make this particular platform as the desired state one and make our customers life easy when, whenever it comes to the uh, configuration management. Nice. Nice. I, I like that because I mean host profiles it it scratched the itch for some people but it wasn't it wasn't enough and there's been a lot of gaps and so it's it's yep. good to see a, a direction there in terms of modern host management so all right I th I think we we addressed config store um, within the OS data partition this new unified partition for seven I've seen kind of this term of ROM and RAM data or persistent and non persistent what what's going on with 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 RAM data you know what is how are we handling that? So um, the RAM data are the ones which are getting accessed more frequently and ROM data are the ones which are rarely accessed by the um, system stack. So right let me ones, give you... read, read never. Right, so, right. Read a boot and then ignore. <laughs> right. So for example, all of your logs, all of your uh, vSAN APD traces, uh, all of your IO request props that are being sent to the uh, ESXi host, they, those those kind of data are considered as the um, the RAM data, right? Okay, so basically and, things in slash var, log, right. yeah. yeah. Everything is now considered as the RAM. When it comes to the ROM, uh, your VMware tool ISO is considered as 
the ROM data because whenever you trigger the installer upgrade of your virtual machine tool, it's basically going to query the VM tool ISO, which is residing on the ESXi host. So this is how this particular differentiation is, is being done. But most of the folks now have an understanding that ESX OS data is basically the scratch partition, which is not. I mean, it, it just uh, stored the scratch partition, but beyond that, it has got all of these ROM data, RAM data, the VM tool ISO, your core dumps are now also stored on the ESX OS data. So clearly this, this kind of differentiation is also there. Uh, scratch partition is, is now part of the ESX OS data, but uh, it's not just the scratch partition. There are plenty more information that are now being stored on the ESX OS data. No, it, it also looks like these are things that previously, if you were running on an what we would sometimes refer to as an embedded install, I think was a, a phrase I've used. I'm sure there's a more proper nomenclature. Um, if you were working off of low endurance devices, so SD cards, USB, and so forth, or just uh, I think it was a, if it was a was a LUN under five gigabytes, it would it would do that. These were things that previously got redirected into RAM disk as part of I yep. guess why you sometimes call those things that. Um, it looks like though we're trying to unify that all onto one common physical device. That's correct. So uh, let me expand this uh, this little bit further, right? Uh, assuming that you don't have any persistent storage available, that's just a hypothetical situation I'm considering. So what happens when you install ESXi host? There is a, a 250 MB uh, partition which gets created, and that's called as basically the temporary partition. And all of your logs, all of your uh, scratch data gets stored on this particular temp space, right? Uh, there are two things. One thing is this: this particular space is not a persistent one, which means that in the next subsequent reboot, you will lose the logs that that were stored under the the temp location. The another thing is. If your 250 MB temp space has been filled out, you may experience some of the performance issue because now it's 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 basically consuming some of the uh, the storage which is backed by your ESXi host and trying to store your logs on on that particular storage. So uh, so this 250 MB storage which is which is now consuming your RAM disk, if if it gets filled, then it might impact your performance as well. So the the recommendation on scratch partition is is nothing new. We we all we, we have always uh, always been saying that you need to store the uh, scratch partition on a persistent storage uh, there are few esxi advanced setting that uh, that you can configure and you then you can basically offload these uh, scratch partition to a remote location right um, so what now we are saying is with the new system storage layout if you have a persistent storage available uh, which we are recommending minimum of 32 gb uh, you will have this particular new partition which is created automatically and that partition is known as esxos data and that partition will now store the uh, the logs and and other binaries that are required for the scratch to work so in a nutshell it's not a very good idea to run your esxi host in a diskless mode because you have this 250 MB of temporary uh, partition, which is now storing your logs. And these logs are basically uh, non-persistent. So it means that you may lose these logs uh, in the next reboot itself. So always consider- I remember, Yeah, I remember the first time I learned about RAM disks. Uh, RAM disks are great, by the way, because they're really fast. I mean, you can write like a million yep. apps for RAM disk. Um, <laughs> however, the the largest obstacle I discovered with RAM disk is when I tried, tried calling uh, GSS, you know, VMware support, and be like, "Hey, I need an RCA on this issue." They're like, "Oh, the host rebooted. There's no logs." <laughs> yeah. You know? It's it's like when you know it's like when a car gets stolen, you call the police, they show up, and they're like, "Did you see the person?" You're like, "No," and they're like, "High five and just drive off," because like we got nothing. There's no there's no evidence. We don't know what happened. Like, yeah, exactly. you don't get an RCA, you don't get a real investigation if you don't have if you don't have the tape, if you don't have the logs. Like, it's yeah. 
you know. So yeah, well, one I thing- think this was something that before not everyone always realized that like there weren't always alarms that said, "Hey, you're logging to RAM." But now I notice in seven uh, update three uh, oh. when I installed that that if you're logging to RAM, you get like a big giant alarm. It's like you were in a you know a degraded configuration. Like it, it's up on your face now. Well, one more important thing that I want to call out uh, when it comes to this scratch, there are few customers who have uh, configured scratch on SD card or USB drive. Guys, that's not supported. That's not supported by VMware. Uh, in fact, when we install the ESXi host, um, scratch doesn't get configured on SD card or USB drive. Um, and the only way to create the scratch partition on SD card and USB drive is basically manually creating those uh, those configuration, right? So if you are doing that, uh, our strong recommendation is do not do that. Otherwise, you will burn out your SD card and USB drive too soon. And that, that's not a very scalable solution to go for. So you're saying that SD cards are not supported? Yeah, SD cards do not like high volume of writes for logs. But uh, I had a lab where that happened and I started investigating. Like, <laughs> Who configured this in all the hosts? <laughs> And actually what it was is someone had cloned a host profile from a host that had had a local device that was oh, proper boy. and it had that advanced setting. Sure. So it was yeah. like, who would have gone through and configured this on 60? Like I've got a, I've got a spy. Like I've got some like <laughs> server assassin in my data center. It's like, Oh, someone just blindly cloned the host profile Copy and got that setting. Yep. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so yeah, let me tell you, there's nothing like replacing 16 drives here. And I know there's some angry people who've had this happen to them. I'm one of them. So this is, the, you know, the time is now. I guess let's, let's transition into for boot devices. What should we be looking for uh, going That's forward? That's correct. I think we need to expand this particular topic a little bit further. So saying that SD card and USB drives are not supported, it's like... Um, uh, shooting directly on on the SD card and USB drivers, which is which is like partially correct, partially incorrect. So let me expand on this particular configuration a little bit. Um, so what you have is you have a system storage stack. Uh, let's consider the first configuration where you have, let's consider minimum of 32 GB local disk. Uh, this can be hard disk, this can be SSD, or it can be an NVMe or PCI devices, right? And in this particular configuration, what we are doing is we are storing all the partition, including your system boot, as well as your ESXOS data partition on, on the same locally attached persistent storage, right? That is fully supported. The configuration that involves the SD card and USB drives can be two ways. The first is you have minimum of 8 GB SD card or USB drive, which is storing the system boot partition. And then you have minimum of 32 GB locally attached persistent storage storing your ESXOS data partition. So the catch over here is your ESXOS data partition should be stored on a locally attached persistent storage device. You should not store your ESXOS data partition on SD card or USB drive. Mm. If you are doing that, that means you are essentially into the degraded mode and you are running a diskless uh, ESXi host, which basically means that you just have the SD card or USB drive to do all the partitioning and you have no locally attached system storage. So this configuration is, is basically not supported. But just in case, if you have 8 GB of SD card and USB drive for system boot partition, and then you have an additional storage that is available for ESXOS data partition that is fully supported. We term that particular configuration as legacy, but that is still supported. Yeah, so I've got some 13 gen hosts, uh, Dell in my lab. I can't get M.2 drives in them. There's not slots in them. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm going to 
keep upgrading them even if they're not supported just because it's my lab but for that in that case if i got i put another drive in there i could keep booting off the sd and redirect so what does that process look like is that going to require what do i need to upgrade to to make that easy where do i need to go yes so any configuration whether it is diskless or whether you have sd card plus locally attached storage uh, we recommend you to be uh, at minimum of vSphere 7 update 2c or preferably vSphere 7 update 3. So that's first thing that you should always consider if you have an SD card or USB drive installation. Yeah, there are a bunch of bugs fixed specifically for the USB. Um, There was a RAM disk deployed to help mitigate the I.O. There was a uh, USB driver. There were some uh, stability improvements made on the driver stack specifically to 2c. So I know there's some people out there who are sitting on seven update one and they're like, I'm scared to upgrade. Like, no, you need to be scared not to upgrade. It needs to go the (laughs) other way on the fear. Right. So, um, so your, your vSphere version should be seven update two C and above because we have essentially done some bug fixes, which essentially reducing the IO requests that are being sent to the SD cards. Right. The second thing that you need to keep in mind, um, is that if you have a diskless mode, which means that you only have SD card and USB drive in your environment, add a locally attached persistent storage device. Uh, if it is SDD or SSD, it should be minimum of 32 GB. If it is any of the PCIe or NVMe disk, then it has to be 128 GB in size, right? And what happens is when you add this particular disk, then when you run the upgrade workflow, essentially means that you mount the ISO or, or you do it from the VLCM. What it does is it has an option which is known as the auto partition. It's a boot partition option which is available uh, within the ESXi host. So you got to set that boot flag when you run the upgrader or is it auto run when I upgrade to uh, update it, 3? Yeah, it, it it is automatically configured to set as true. And this particular okay. option is basically auto partition equals to true. What it does is it basically identifies the first boot device that is available for ESXi host. And then it identifies that particular disk to store the ESX OS data partition. So what I'm essentially saying is, consider if you have an ESXi host that is running in a diskless mode, you just have to add an additional disk, run your upgrade workflow either through ISO or through your vSphere lifecycle manager. And this particular option, auto partition equals to true, will ensure that you your next boot device, which is available for, uh, for, for the ESXi host, is considered as the ESXOS data partition. And it automatically partitions that particular device uh, for the ESXi host. Um, there is a KB article and probably we can link that particular KB oh, yeah. article in, yeah. Yeah, in, we'll in the that. description. I can't remember the KB article number, but it actually and that goes disk in- will have to not have a partition. It'll have to just be a raw device. It won't, yeah. it, it's not going to partition over one of my random vSAN disks. Or exactly, right? exactly. So uh, it, it's, it's a frequently asked question from most of our customers that, okay, we have local disk attached and these are contributing to vSAN. What, what will happen to these, these disks? It will simply skip these particular devices. So let's be assured. Um, the another option is, is very interesting. So for example, you, you might have an hard disk, which you want to consider as the ESXOS data partition, and you might have added an additional SSD device for your vSAN. You can simply skip the SSD device, right? Um, there is an additional configuration which is available in the ESXi host, which allows you to skip the SSD device to be partitioned as the uh, ESXOS data partition. So, depending on on your use case, you have got different options you can set. But by default, your auto partition is basically set to true, which automatically identifies your HDD, SSD, or any of your PCI devices to be partitioned as the ESXOS data mm-hmm. partition. 
Well, yeah. the, really, the the key thing here is that SD plus extra drive. In my mind, when I'm thinking of what the use case for that, that's not for Greenfield. I'm not going to go buy any new like that. Exactly. You know, if I was if I was doing Greenfield, I just install it to the M.2 device that I'm going to put on there anyways. Yeah. And every major server platform out there these days, um, outside of some weird embedded stuff, has M.2 base boot options. If you have questions, find me on Twitter, lost underscore signal, point you in the right direction. But um, really, that that's about that's about brownfield. That's about existing installs. And it's so you don't exactly. have to go reinstall ESXi, which is a pain, oh, you yeah. know, I admit. You have to back up the boot config, reinstall, do a restore the config, or reset it up. Like, nobody has time for that, and I yep. respect that. Um, one question I had is... I see in the KB here, it says that this is going to be a release after 7.x. Now, I know for our listeners, we're not allowed, you know, I, I, legally, we're not allowed to count beyond seven when discussing vSphere releases. <laughs> um, but just to be clear, from my reading of this, this means the existing SD only installs are technically still supported, just not necessarily recommended because of, as we mentioned, you know, if you don't have a place for logs and things like that, you're going to have issues getting root, root cause and other things, right? Exactly. So l let me expand a little bit on the support scope. Uh, so when we say the standalone SD card or USB drive installation is deprecated, what we are saying is that your ESXi host will continue to run, but it will run in a degraded mode. Mm. And with 7 update 3, you will start receiving the warnings and error messages that will tell you that you are running in a diskless mode. So better you uh, add an additional local attached storage and then move your ESX OS data partition to that particular configuration. So um, in, in a simple term, uh, make sure that you are running 7-update 2C or above if you have SD card installation involved and ensure that you have a persistent storage which is locally attached. If that's not the case, then your ESXi host will continue to run, but it will run in a degraded mode. And so numbers higher than 7 that can't be mentioned might possibly uh, result in not supported. <laughs> As opposed to degraded. <laughs> or well, if if you read the KB, it actually that 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 brownfield SD plus device is still supported. It's just at that point the SD only would not be right. Yes, um, is the, yeah how the KB is. So you could you'll still have a path to whatever number comes after seven. Um, I hope we switch to you know years for releases. I like that system better. You know, maybe like look over something like Meta. I don't know. We can we can come up with something creative. Thunder Thunder actually yeah the next release name you've heard it here. It's Thunderbolt Mongoose. V Thunderbolt. <laughs> Mongoose. I'm not going to use the stupid vSphere.next name. No, we're just going straight to that. But <laughs> no, uh, but it, the the other thing to keep in mind is, yes, it sounds scary that, oh, if I upgrade, I'm going to have this degraded alarm and things like this. But you were already in a degraded state. You already don't. You're already logging to RAM. Yeah. Like nothing's actually changing other than some things that will actually help protect your poor little SD card from dying. But it's you're. We're just now informing you that, hey, this never was a great idea to begin with, mm -hmm. and it's still not a great idea. Yeah. So I know some people have been scared. They think they've got to reinstall everything. They've got to throw away everything that, you know, or they're going to have to physically go touch every server. I just want to put that at ease that, you're, you know, we would like people to go touch their servers and hug them, you know, um, <laughs> but they don't necessarily have to. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we've got, um, let's see, we're coming up close to the uh, top of the hour. So we do have some KBs to share that will be on the links of the uh, show notes of the podcast. Uh, John John did a, um, a quick question video around SD cards uh, for boot devices, which I found interesting. We'll share that as well. I know that uh, Jatin has been doing some writing as well. We will definitely be sharing uh, some links. But Jatin, I want to definitely, uh, before we close out, I want to give you the closing thoughts on this topic. So what are, you, what are your thoughts and what do people need to take away? other than the links that we share. 
I think um, the the bottom line is certainly uh, considering the future requirement. We certainly needed this uh, this dynamic system storage layout, which is more scalable, more flexible. Um, but yeah, I, I would certainly say that yeah, it's it if if you have a standalone installation with SD card or USB drive, it's certainly going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride, but it's it's worth to take it. That that's a, that's what my uh, suggestion is. Uh, we have got all the support document. We have got all the KB articles that will guide you to navigate through this particular change. But one thing that you need to keep in mind that um, if you are installing a greenfield installation, make sure that you specify your hardware specification that does not include SD card and USB drives. I uh, do not prefer them. And but yeah, rest of the installation and upgrade procedure are fully automatic, so you don't really need to manually partition these particular. Uh, layouts uh, to to support the SXI seven. Thank enough. you. And one last thing: what's your what's your Twitter handle? Where, where can it's, people follow you? It's at the red Jatin Purohit ninety two. It's it's a long one. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, sweet gentlemen, I appreciate you joining us on this very interesting topic that definitely raises a lot of questions here at VMware. Uh, John, get to work on coming up with some more creative uh, future vSphere numbers or names. <laughs> and uh, Jonathan, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us, my friend. Thank you. All right. Well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at VMware.com. You can subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice by searching Virtually Speaking Podcast. You can catch this in all episodes at vspeakingpodcast.com. A big thanks to Jatin for telling us all the information about ESXi storage systems. We're back next week, but until then, bye for now. Enough of this jibber jabber. <laughs>